Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. This week's episode is proudly brought to you by LUCEL, a clinic where you can expect a high-end, considered experience centered around achieving your personal aesthetic goals. Alucel provides cutting-edge and scientifically proven treatments in platelet-rich plasma and body sculpting, and the team are all skin and hair health enthusiasts with a combined 30 years experience assessing complex dermal conditions and androgenic alopecia. To find out more, visit them on the gram at Alucel underscore Australia or go to their website www.alucel.com. Welcome to season three of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I'm Marnie, your host, and we are kicking off the season where I interview Brittany Williams, the founder of Bryland's Feet Foundation, which is a foundation that advocates for those with pediatric lymphedema. And she First was introduced to lymphedema when her daughter, Brylan, was diagnosed with primary lymphedema in 2014. Since this time, her goal has been to advocate and be the voice for her daughter and all children living with lymphedema. She recently joined the Lymphedema Advocacy Group in Washington, D.C. to share her story and support the Lymphedema Treatment Act. And her passion is to make a positive impact on the lymphedema community and provide assistance in receiving treatment to children in need all over the world, whether it be for education, whether it be for manual massage type techniques, or even to be able to provide uh, complementary materials that are needed in the care of lymphedema such as bandages and compression garments. It's a wonderful and heartfelt episode where you're going to learn a lot about pediatric lymphedema and learn about what Bryland's Feet Foundation is doing so, so well. I started by asking Brittany what she thought was the biggest misconception about pediatric lymphedema. I think the biggest thing is one that a lot of people don't know that children can have lymphedema. A lot of times lymphedema is associated with someone who had cancer treatment, mostly breast cancer, but I've even talked to breast cancer patients that are like, oh, I had no idea that a child could get this. How does that happen? I think another really big misconception, and that's just from the lack of awareness and education, even in the medical field, is that children will grow out of it because they're so young as they grow, it'll just go away which lymphedema is a progressive disease and it's one without a cure. So it's not just going to stop one day. You will always have it, unfortunately, right now. I can imagine that misconception could be quite difficult for a parent to hear if their child has just been diagnosed with lymphedema. Does that come up a lot? It does. 
a lot of times I will have parents that reach out and they say, you know, what are you doing for your daughter? What, how are you managing lymphedema? And I'll tell them kind of a little bit about my experience and what our routine is or a treatment plan is. And their reaction, they're stunned because their doctor told them, oh, we don't have to do anything. Don't worry about it. As they get older, it'll go away or, you know, let's not do anything until it gets worse. So it does come up a lot and it's extremely frustrating, especially for me to hear that because I know the exact opposite is true. That treatment needs to be consistent and it needs to happen as early as possible in order for any patient with lymphedema to get good results. Yeah. And we're going to get into that a little bit more, but what is children's lymphedema? So lymphedema, as I said, is a progressive disease currently without a cure. It causes chronic swelling in parts of the body where the lymphatic system either didn't develop correctly, which is known as primary lymphedema, and that is usually the main form for children, or where damage or trauma has occurred, such as cancer treatment, and that is known as secondary lymphedema. So tell us about your story and your daughter, Brylan. So... Brylan was born a healthy baby. We took her home from the hospital and everything seemed great. At her one month checkup, her pediatrician noticed some swelling on the top of her right foot. And he was concerned, but wasn't really pushing it too much. When it comes to my kid's health, I'm pretty proactive and I don't like the wait and see method. So needless to say, we instantly made an appointment to go see the genetics counselor at our children's hospital in Phoenix. And we didn't really get any answers from that. All of her testing came back normal. And at first, you know, some words were thrown out such as Turner syndrome, but the genetic test came back fine and she didn't have any of the other symptoms. So it was a struggle. And for about 10 months, We saw different specialists and different doctors who still couldn't give us any answers. And we were frustrated, but I was scared because her swelling started to progress up her leg. And then we saw a little bit of swelling in the other leg. So to me, as a parent, sometimes your head just goes to this really scary negative place. And I was at a point to where I'm like, what if she has something that's fatal? And I don't know what it is and I can't catch it fast enough. So I kept pushing and we finally landed ourselves at Boston Children's Hospital and we were officially diagnosed with infant onset primary lymphedema. And we were excited to have a diagnosis, but we were scared because words like chronic and progressive and no cure kept getting thrown at us. And we came back to Arizona with the notion that, oh, let's kind of let her be a kid. Treatment's not really an option because she's so little, she probably won't withstand it. And that was not okay with me. I started really diving into the lymphedema community and learning as much as I can, talking to other parents, other patients. And I made a judgment call and I knew that I wanted to get her into some kind of compression. She was only 11 months old, so she was really little but I knew I needed to do something because sitting back wasn't an option for us. So we got her into compression garments pretty quickly and we still kind of saw that the compression garments were helping and they were kind of maintaining the the size, but we weren't seeing reduction. So then we went back to Boston Children's 
I kind of explained everything that we were doing. And I mentioned short stretch bandaging that I had done some research on that and that it looked like a lot of people were getting good results from it. And again, the doctor was kind of like, uh, not necessary. She's so young. It's not something I would push. And we went back to Arizona again. I did decided to do my own thing. We went and saw her therapist and she showed me how to short stretch bandage her. So between that, those combination of treatments, the compression garments during the day, which were custom, and then the short stretch bandaging at night, within about six weeks, we started to see her swelling go drastically down and her right leg at its worst point was probably three times the size of her left leg. And by the time we were really into the treatment process, you could barely tell the difference. I mean, she had that much reduction and it was kind of through my own experience. And then of course, dealing with insurance, which was super fun to have a child with a disease who needed treatment, but the insurance companies didn't want to cover the treatment costs, or it was a really long process to even get approved for the garments. So it was kind of through my experience with insurance, through my experience of my own daughter, and then hearing from other parents what their struggles were, that was the point to where I was like, okay, I want to give back. I want to do something to help this community because it was, if I could benefit another child in the end, it's kind of benefiting my daughter as well. And I wanted to learn as much as I could and create a community for Brylin as well. What a story. So that time before the diagnosis was about 10 months. What was that time like as far as were you doing any form of treatment and how was she? Did she seem like she was in pain? Obviously she wasn't speaking at that point, but what was the management strategy in between that time of diagnosis? So that 10 months was tough. As I said, we noticed that her swelling was progressing We didn't really know what to do just kind of from research online. I was like, okay, swelling compression goes hand in hand. So I was wrapping her with ACE bandages here and there to see what would happen, but it wasn't super consistent because then I thought to myself, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. Maybe I'm doing something bad. So it was kind of like a little bit of trial and error in there, but at the same time, it was like, let's just do what we can to educate ourselves and get her that diagnosis. That was kind of the main objective in that 10 months. It wasn't really treatment because we didn't know what we were dealing with. It was more of finding someone to tell us what was wrong. So that moment where the diagnosis happened, like, yes, I can imagine that's a bit of a feat after all this time, finally knowing what it was. But you also had other children, a young family. What was that like for the whole family as far as the diagnosis? What did that mean that, yeah, how did that look in those following weeks and that following year? There was a lot of crying. (laughs) We, as soon as we got the diagnosis, we were on the phone my husband and I were on the phone with both of our mothers and they're crying, we're crying, you know, and then we did what anyone would do in that situation. We dove on into Google, which was a terrible idea because we just saw kind of horror stories. And so it scared us. And we had, Brylin is our second child. We had an older son, Hutton, and they're only about 15 months apart. So he was still really young. And when we got diagnosed, we had actually asked the specialist, is this something that we have to worry about with having more kids? 
And because Brylin didn't have any of the rare diseases associated with lymphedema and it wasn't a genetic thing, he said, she's kind of a fluke case. You should be fine. And lo and behold, we were pregnant with our third a month later. So getting pregnant again, right after the diagnosis was kind of crazy. It was really emotional, but we tried to stay positive. We were thankful that it wasn't something where, you know, it was going to end up where she could die from it. I mean, obviously it can get pretty serious and to that point, if you don't manage it, but we were pretty confident that we could manage it. And we were in a good position, I guess you could say, to provide Brylin with the proper care. So we were pretty optimistic. But yeah, I mean, anytime you have a child that has any kind of disease or illness, it's devastating. Because when you think of your life having kids, you think of your kids as healthy. You don't think of them as having this extra thing. Life's hard enough. Kids don't need this something extra to put on their plate. So we were sad. And I think we, it was funny because I think my husband and I were the ones that had to stay positive for the rest of the family because the rest of the family was really kind of devastated by it. And we were the ones that were like putting on a brave face, but we had to for our daughter too, and for our son and to make it feel like it wasn't, it wasn't something that was going to hinder her. We were going to do everything we could to make sure that she would succeed and she would flourish in whatever she wanted to do. That's fantastic. And by the lots of photos on the Bryland's Feast Instagram page, you can see she's flourished, a really happy, joyful looking child. How did Bryland's Feast start? Like you mentioned that it was you wanted to give back. What age was Bryland at this point? And what did that first initial, okay, I'm starting this thing look like? Yeah. So like I said, I kind of just knew I wanted to give back and I didn't really know how to do it. I was a stay at home mom and my husband was in law school. And so we were busy and we had two small kids, one on the way, and I didn't really know how to approach it. So it was just kind of something that was in the back of my head for a while, for about two years. And then there was a family that I met that had done everything that they possibly could to advocate for their child and to get treatment. And they just kept getting denial after denial from insurance. Their therapist wasn't being super helpful and pushing for them. And I was like, that's it. I can't take it anymore. I have to do something. So in May of 2018, I launched Brylin's Feet. And Brylin at the time was four, I believe. So she was still, you know, pretty young. And it was just something that I felt I had to do. And initially it was just supposed to be a garment fund, so to speak. And it quickly (laughs) spiraled into this whole other thing where we're promoting education and awareness. And we've provided treatments such as surgery and bandaging and garments or therapy. So it became a little bit bigger than I thought it was gonna be, but it's a good thing because we've helped kids all over the world. And it's amazing to, you know, get a photo of a kid with their garments or their bandaging supplies and know that they're getting the treatment that they otherwise wouldn't be able to attain. Some of those stories on the Instagram page are just 
so wonderful to yeah see a child that clearly has not had the compression and that decongestive therapy treatment available to them and then showing with compression garments and things and what what a world of difference especially when they're developing starting to walk wanting to run and all of those things that's would just be quite life-changing for them no absolutely so what have been some notable memories since starting Brylan's feet I mean I think as I said a child getting a garment or any kind of treatment that otherwise wouldn't be able to. I mean, that means so much to me, so much to our family, because I feel like with Brylin's feet, yes, we're providing treatment, but we're also kind of helping families to go through this journey of lymphedema. A lot of families feel lost. I actually spoke to a mother over the weekend who felt lost and they didn't really know where to turn to. I guess they Googled and found us. And they were, you know, bills were piling up from medical expenses. This is their first go around. Their daughter was just diagnosed with lymphedema and they don't really know the process. So I was able to kind of talk her through it as much as possible. And the whole time she's crying and I felt terrible that she was crying and she kept telling me, no, these are happy tears. Thank you so much. And it's moments that I get to connect with the parents like that because I was in that situation six years ago, I was that mom crying, reaching out, wanting resources, wanting help. And so to be able to provide that for the parents as well is amazing. And another thing would probably be, we started Camp Watch Me, which is the only summer camp specific to pediatric lymphedema in the United States. We had our first one two summers ago. This past summer, we had to cancel due to COVID, but being able to bring the children together and meet other kids that have the same disease as them and where they don't have to, you know, answer questions like, why do you have that on your leg? Or why do you have that on your arm? Or why is your arm two times the size as your other arm where they can just find friendship in a community is absolutely amazing. Yeah. How wonderful. And is that something that will start again once COVID hopefully has kind of subsided over there? You'll start doing the yearly camps? Yes, absolutely. We actually just opened up registration for summer of 2021. We're going to have two sessions. First session is June 16th through June 20th, and we're actually completely full on that session already. And the second session is June 20th through the 24th. And we only have two spots left for that session, but anyone is able to apply and it is a free camp for one child and they get to bring along a parent. So as long as you can get yourself to camp, which is going to be in winter park, Colorado, as long as you can get yourself there, the camp is free. That's fantastic. So this is supported by sponsors or grants. Yes. By sponsors, we team up with some amazing sponsors and it's, I mean, mainly funded by Bryland's feet. It's one of our events, but yeah, we have some awesome sponsors that help out. Wow. That's wonderful. So talk to us about your daily or Brylin's daily routine and activities. So Brylin has been able to be pretty active and knock on wood, we haven't had any major complications from her lymphedema. And I totally attest that to her starting a treatment plan super early and sticking with it and staying compliant. So Brylin has custom fitted compression garments. And so every morning she wakes up and she puts those on 
and she's actually pretty good about it for being a six-year-old. So she wears those during the day. If she's having a day where we notice like a little bit more swelling or, you know, she's a little bit more uncomfortable, we also have a pneumatic pump that we are able to put on her. So she'll sometimes like, we'll sit her down, give her a snack, have her watch some TV, put her legs up and she's able to do her pump for about 30 minutes and kind of get some relief from that. And then at night we do still do the short stretch bandaging. There's other things like nighttime garments, which she does have one nighttime garment that we absolutely love. It's called the Jopes Relax. She uses that here and there when she's, feeling a little sassy and doesn't want to get short stretch bandaged at night. Or it's a really good thing for her to have when she does sleepovers. Sometimes she'll sleep over at a friend's house or, you know, at my in-laws or my mom's house. And they don't really know how to bandage her correctly. And it's kind of a process to go through it. So she still has, you know, an option for her when she has those times where she's away from home, which I think is really huge. A lot of times some parents will just say, oh, well, they're not home. It's no big deal. They can kind of do whatever they want, but it's really great to have treatment options available where when you're put in different situations, you still have some kind of compression, some kind of treatment going on. And does that change at all in the summer months or the warmer months? To an extent, she obviously doesn't like wearing her garment when it's super hot, but I mean, she's pretty good about it. It's her normal. She doesn't know any different. And that's one of the things I really try and push that the sooner you implement a routine and a treatment plan, the easier it will be as they grow up. You know, like I said, Brylin's understands that this is helping her. This is allowing her to be as healthy as possible. It's allowing her to be able to run around with her brothers and play soccer. She even played flag football a couple of games last year. She's done ballet. You know, nothing's really holding her down because she has a treatment plan in place. So when she was diagnosed really early and was there a conversation of, okay, Brylan, you've sit down we have to talk about this or did she ask about it? What did that look like? She does ask about it and she kind of sometimes asks the same questions over and over again, but she's six. So that happens. But her brothers also ask questions because they're curious too. Like, why does she have this? And we don't, are we going to get it? So it's kind of a family conversation that happens. And I think it's really good if you do have other kids especially if they don't have lymphedema to, ha- to include them in the conversation so that they have a better understanding of it as well. And Brylin, for the most part, she just says, my leg swells, you know, my leg gets big, you know, she says very short and sweet comments about it. And she knows that she's going to have it for the rest of her life. But we kind of have to talk to her in that young six-year-old mindset. So she understands to an extent, but she doesn't really fight it, which is good. And I think it's because we've been able to have open conversations with her. When she does ask questions, we answer them. We don't shy away from it. And I think that maybe the, one of the things is that with Brylin, although she has lymphedema and she does her treatment, other than that, it's not something that's always a topic. We try and just let her be a kid and let her play her sports and do her thing. I mean, there's some things that she can't do that her brothers can do. And, you know, that's a tough conversation to tell a six-year-old like, oh, you know, your brothers can do this, but you can't. But for the most part, she's pretty good about it. And I think if you're just open and honest with the kids about it, even if it's at a young age, using simple words 
they really understand it. And as they get older, then you can have those bigger conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And what about conversations with her peers? Has she had any conversations or questions from kids at kinder or school? So she's had two instances where someone said, what's on your leg or what is that? And not that it was a rude question or anything, because kids, you know, they spit out stuff and they don't really know what they're saying. They say the craziest things. And she just says, I have lymphedema. And then it's like, they're playing two seconds later, you know, it's kind of, and I've told her this too. I'm like, if you just say what it is and address it, no one's going to care. And you're going to keep playing with your friends and it's not going to be a big deal. If you make it a big deal, then they'll see it like that as well. So she's, she's pretty good about it. Kind of like, I don't want to say she shuts it down, but she's like, "Eh, I have lymphedema, my leg swells. So I have to wear this to, you know, stay healthy and you know, whatever she says, but for the most part, she's pretty good about like a quick answer and then moving on. Yeah. That's fantastic. Like not identifying necessarily as her with lymphedema, but it's just something that she has that she manages, which is really important because You know, often we've had lots of conversations on this podcast before where someone may have been diagnosed with something maybe in their teens or even as an adult and that coming to terms with that conversation or or people staring or kids asking questions can be really challenging to like, okay, I'm not this condition and not identifying with that condition. It's just something that I have and that I live with and that I manage. Yeah. So Brittany, I'd love to just hear some advice for perhaps some parents. They may have a child with lymphedema and yeah, some things that you share commonly with parents. Sure. So I think probably the best thing you can do, especially as a parent is educate yourself on lymphedema. As I mentioned, my, I probably learned the most from talking to other knowledgeable parents and patients. So try and engage in your community, in the lymphedema community, and don't be discouraged if you don't see results right away. Unfortunately, sometimes it takes time. And with lymphedema treatment, there's a lot of trial and error. So until you are able to kind of find the best combination for your loved one or child, you know, it takes some time. So don't be discouraged, stick with it, stay compliant, you know, and just be supportive and encouraging. Like I said, sticking with it, staying compliant is the best way to make sure that your child or loved one will live the most healthy and happy life that they're able to with this condition. I think just being supportive, educating yourself, but like I said, really immersing yourself in the community was greatly helpful to me. Yeah, great advice. And what about Sometimes surgical interventions are offered for patients with lymphedema. Has Brylan needed any surgical interventions? And are you able to just share maybe a a story or so of any parents that have and and what some of those treatments look like? So Brylan has not had any invasive treatments. When she was really little, I think she was about two years old, we took her to Chicago and we saw a doctor there who is known for doing this, a couple of different surgical treatments. And he said, you know, she's really not a severe case. She's so little. And I won't even talk to you until she's at least three. And then we never went back because it was kind of in that time frame that we were doing the trial of what's going to work. And then once we saw results, I'm like, I'm not going to put her through a surgery if it's not needed. And I'm able to manage it with non-invasive treatment. There are several kids who have 
had surgical treatments. One little boy who we helped through Brylin's feet. He lives in Canada, but he's had surgery at the American Hospital in Paris. And he's had three or four different surgeries and he has lymphedema on his arms and hands and his lower extremities. So he's had several different surgeries and it's almost to make people kind of understand it, it almost looks like a debulking surgery to an extent. And his hands, you know, do come down and then they try and do the, you know, be very aggressive with the compression treatment afterwards to keep that reduced size, but he's had to go back a couple of different times. So sometimes surgery isn't always the answer. I know some people think like, oh, well, it's, you know, the end all be all that's, what's going to help. And sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes you have to go back several times. I'm not super well-versed in surgical aspects only because not many of the kids that we've supported have gone through that process. I know that there are surgeries where they simply try and go in and reconnect the lymphatic vessels, but that's actually hopefully an upcoming conversation I'm going to be having with a surgeon to get a little bit more information so I can be a little bit more well-versed on that as well, even though it's not something that is really pushed for kids. Yeah, it's, it's incredible, all these newer technologies and the more that we learn about the lymphatic system, because let's be honest, it, in a few decades ago, it didn't really even show up in textbooks. So yes. it's, it's still a system that we are learning a lot more about. So it will be exciting to see these newer treatments on the horizon for those with lymphedema and yeah, lymph dysfunction as well. So what's next for Bryland's feet? So we are continuing to grow. As I mentioned, we've been able to reach children all over the world, and we're just going to do our best to continue advocating, to continue spreading awareness and education. We've also started implementing virtual sessions with therapists, which has been really great, especially for people that are in more more remote locations where they don't have access to a therapist. But yeah, we're just going to keep going. We're looking forward to Camp Watch Me 2021 and to continue pushing compliance of treatment and doing all we can for these kiddos and hopefully creating a bigger and more positive impact on the pediatric lymphedema community. Yeah. And being stronger together, right? Absolutely. Like, and, and having the education together to be able to rally or, you know, make sure the insurance and things are covered. In Australia, I know for certain, sometimes compression is covered, but it might be limited funding and it is expensive because compression needs to be renewed every six months or so, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, mm. it's constant for a child. It's every four to six months. And that depends on, you know, the age range of the child. If they had a growth spurt, you know, it can quickly change. So normally it's probably about three garments every year. But like I said, depending on the child's growth, like for Brylin, her very first year, she had two big growth spurts. And so she had, I think, seven sets in the first year. And I was like, okay, is this how it's always going to be? And of course she's, so I have four kids and of course she's my little grower. So she has growth spurts all the time. Like, can't you be my one kid that doesn't grow as much? Yeah. But what are you going to (laughs) do? That's it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Brittany. Where can people find more about you and the work that you're doing? 
So our website is brylandsfeet.org. We're also on Instagram, Brylands Feet Foundation, as well as Facebook. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us. It was, yeah, again, great to hear your story. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for sharing your earbuds with us this week for the Heal Thy Skin podcast. We have some incredible guests coming up this year uh, and we are doing things a little bit differently. We will be doing podcasts every fortnight, um, but still fantastic content from experts and those with lived experience from acute and chronic skin conditions. So we look forward to bringing you many, many episodes in 2021. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, I'd love if you haven't already to leave a review uh, it just helps people find the the podcast learn more about us and helps with our rankings too very much appreciated until next week or until next fortnight be skin powered This week's episode is proudly brought to you by LUCEL, a clinic where you can expect a high-end, considered experience centered around achieving your personal, aesthetic goals. LUCEL provides cutting-edge and scientifically proven treatments in platelet-rich plasma and body sculpting, and the team are all skin and hair health enthusiasts with a combined 30 years experience assessing complex dermal conditions and androgenic alopecia. To find out more, visit them on the gram at LUCEL underscore Australia or go to their website www.lucel.com.